Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Reading from the book from uh, three different verses of scripture, and we'll be making some comparison within those verses of scripture. The first one we're reading from is the book of 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings 17, we're reading from verse number 8. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belonged to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a woman, a widow woman was there, gathering sticks that he, that he, and he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee. A little water in a vessel that I may drink and as she was going to fetch it he called to her and said bring me I pray thee a morsel of bread in thy hand and she said as the Lord thy God liveth I have not a cake but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise and behold I am getting I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die Elijah now said Elijah said unto her fear not go and do as thou hast said but make me therefore thereof a little cake first and bring it unto me and after make for thee and thy son for thus says the word, for thus says the Lord of Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the sayings of Elijah, and she and he and her household did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. I want to look at I want us to look at the second verse of the scripture now that we're going to read, which is in the first book of Samuel, first Samuel chapter fifteen. First Samuel fifteen, we're reading from verse number twenty one. First Samuel fifteen, reading from verse number twenty one. A little background in this verse of the scripture, the Bible had to God had told uh, Saul that he should he should uh, that he should go and fight a particular battle, kill all the people there, destroy everything. But Saul had brought those things, you know, brought saved some very beautiful things for himself, and he under a pretense that he was going to sacrifice his son to the Lord. So first Samuel chapter fifteen, reading from verse number twenty one, the Bible says, And the soldier took sheep and cattle from the plunder and the best of which was devoted to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offering and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. 
The third verse of scripture that we want to read this morning again is book is found in the book of Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19, we're going to be reading from verse number 16. The Bible tells us about a rich, rich young man, a rich young, a rich young ruler. He came to the Lord Jesus Christ just to ask him what he was supposed to do in order to be able to earn, you know, eternity. And the Lord Jesus Christ gave him a very straightforward answer. Let's pick up the reading from Matthew chapter 19, reading from verse number 16. The Bible says, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may enter, that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He said unto him, Which? Jesus, Jesus said, Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Verse number 20. The lawyer, the young man said unto him, All these things I have kept from my youth up. What lack I? Yeah, what lack I yet? Verse number 21. In verse number 21, Jesus said, If thou will be perfect, go and sell all that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasures in heaven, and come and follow me. Come and follow me. Verse number 22. But when the young man heard that, when the young man heard that saying, he, was, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possession. So you will notice from the three verses of scripture that we read that there are so many things that are playing that are going on in there. The first one we see, the last one we read was that a rich young ruler came praising the Lord Jesus Christ, acknowledging that Jesus was good, that Jesus was the master, that you know, and was asking Jesus what does Jesus want him to do in order to be able to enter into eternal life. Jesus Christ looked at this man, saw what his need was, and gave him a direct answer. He knew that he was rich, he knew that the man had money. And the one thing we must understand is that Jesus is not opposed to you being rich. Jesus is not opposed to you having money. But Jesus is having it. But the issue is that the money that this man had, had possessed him. And that's why when Jesus Christ now gave him an instruction, he said, go and sell your property and follow me. The man was very sorrowful. Not because Jesus wanted him to throw away all his money, but Jesus wanted to separate his, you know, separate him, the hold of his riches. He wanted to break that hold upon his life. That was the first thing we see. The second one we see is when we read the book of 1 Samuel. Saul was given, Saul, the king of Israel then, was given a very clear instruction. That instruction was that go and fight the Amalekites. When you fight them, destroy everything. Make sure you do not keep anything. But Saul decided to do otherwise. And when he did otherwise, he did it under the pretense that, okay, I'm going to save the best and bring it to the Lord. But the interesting thing is that what the Lord is telling you to do is different and what you are doing is different. We read it in our, in our, in our Bible study last Friday, we were saying, it is not whether you obey God. It is how you obey God that matters. Okay? When the Lord tells you to do one thing and you do another thing, in the eyes of the Lord you have disobeyed. Regardless of what you do, you have disobeyed. Regardless of the intention, you have disobeyed. The Lord told Saul here, make sure you destroy everything. Saul said, well, these things are too good to be destroyed. Let me bring them so that I can use it to sacrifice unto the Lord. That is not what you were told. What you were told is destroy. So when he was doing that, Samuel, the prophet Samuel had to tell him, he said, it's better for you to obey than to offer sacrifices. 
to obey is better than sacrifice and that was what the lesson we learned from that particular verse of the scripture the second the first one we read was the book of first king first king chapter 17 where we saw elijah and the widow of zarephath it is very interesting that somebody you did not know just rolled into town saw you gathering sticks I say, hey ma'am, I need some water. And as the water, as the woman was going to get the water, say, well, while you are getting busy getting the water, make sure you give me some cake and you know, get, add some cake on top of it. The woman say, hey, wait, 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 wait a minute. Water I can give you, but this cake business I don't know. He say, well, I'm about to, I'm just about to cook the last thing that I have. Make you know, make one for myself and my son, and then we eat it and wait for the you know, wait for that. The interesting about Elijah, the interesting thing about Elijah was that Elijah did not say, okay, go and feed your son first. No, Elijah said, feed me first. When you are finished feeding me, then you can feed the other one. If that Elijah was living in 2016, the woman would have said, something must be wrong with you, this man of God. Something is wrong with you. I just told you this is the last food that we have. My son has not eaten. You are a selfish man. You are a selfish man. That was what would have been the reaction. But the Bible told us that this woman obeyed the voice of Elijah, went and prepared that particular meal, and gave it first to the prophet. And in the process, the Bible now testifies that that particular cruise of oil that was insufficient, that thing that was not enough to be able to sustain them, the Bible says that they continued to feed them. And that famine lasted for three years. The cruise of oil did not fail. So the cruise of oil did not fail. And that particular basket, that particular basket of flour, did not come to an end. What happened is that the Lord brought the power of multiplication into that little thing. It is the power of obedience. Obedience can be willing, obedience can be forced. But what the Lord is expecting us to do is for us to be able to do what? To be able to obey Him. Now, one of the things you will find is that many of us know the story of the departure of Israel when they were about to leave Egypt. And in that particular departure, the process of Israel's departure from Egypt started way before Israel left. Before Israel left Egypt, that process started. Before Israel departed from Egypt, God has already begun the process. And a lot of things happened. A lot of things happened. It took a while for God to be able to make sure that those things that he wanted to do will come to pass. You know, will, will be fulfilled step by step. And in our own individual lives also, when the Lord speaks a promise into your life, when the Lord says, this is what I am going to do, you do not expect it to happen the next day. Okay, if you expect that, okay, if God said I'm going to bless you, then tomorrow you just open the window, you open your room, and then you see a bowl of money, you see it standing there. God does not work like that. He might decide to do it, but in most cases, he doesn't do it that way. Okay, so the, the fulfillment of God's promises do not happen overnight, it takes a process, it takes a while. And that is why if a woman gives birth to a child today, by the time they all go to bed tonight, they come back from the hospital, you take the baby, you wrap the baby up, you put them in their court, and then you go to bed, and then you wake up the next morning. By the time you go to the kitchen, you see that baby already cooking breakfast. There will be a serious commotion in that house. Major commotion in that house. Because you wonder, what is going on here? Because people don't grow overnight. People don't grow overnight. Babies don't grow overnight. The reason is because there is a process of growth. There is a process of growth. The same thing. There is a process for fulfillment of God's promises in our life. It takes time for us to be able to actualize the dreams that God has given unto us. It takes a while to articulate God's calling upon your life. God's calling of a man called Prophet Samuel. It took God three times for calling Samuel before Samuel can understand that God was actually calling him. It took him three times. 
Every time the Lord calls somewhere, we'll go to Eli and say, Eli, did you call? Eli said, no, I don't call you. Go back to sleep. He did it three times before he could understand that it was God that was calling him. What I'm saying in essence is this. The things that God has promised you, the things that God has promised me, will not happen overnight. It will not happen overnight. It's going to take a process. It's going to take some time. It's going to take what is called a, a, a maturation process. It, it, it takes, it, it sometimes takes even longer for you to, for you to appropriate or to actualize the dream that God puts into your life. If you ask a man called Joseph, you have heard us talk about Joseph on from this pulpit. It took 17 years for Joseph to see the dream that God gave him. It took him 17 years for him to even realize that particular dream. And that dream took him to several places. Took him into the pit. Took him into the prison. Took him into Potiphar's house. Took him all over the place before he gets to where he was supposed to go. The point I'm making this morning is that it takes a while for dreams to come true. However, if you take a look at the consistent testimony of scriptures, what you will find is that those who had their dreams fulfilled... Those who saw the promise of the Almighty God fulfilled in their life, they all had one thing in common. And that thing that they had in common was that they were obedient to the voice of the Almighty God. They were obedient to the voice of the Almighty God. Those who saw their dreams come true must be ready to obey the voice of God. If God is going to work for you, if God is going to work on your behalf, if God is going to meet you at the point of your needs, if God is going to do something in your life, you must be ready to obey Him when He gives you a simple instruction. To move in the direction of our future, you need to be able to see that future that you are going. That is why when they were about to, when the children of Israel were about to leave Egypt, the Lord kept on telling them about the land that was flowing with milk and honey. He kept on painting a picture of where they were going, so that at least they can have an idea of where they are going. A child who wants to, who is growing up, who is in college, who is in high school, who is in college, who is dreaming of the day that is going to buy that escalator for mom and dad, or dreaming of the day he's going to live in that nice house. That particular child, what is happening that the motivation he has is the picture of that beautiful escalate. Looking at it and seeing, ha! How I'm going to hand over the key to daddy or hand over the key to mommy. That is the picture at the back of his mind. And that is what is motivating it. So for you to be able to get to the future where you are going, you have to be able to see that future. You have to be able to have a vision of yourself. You have to be able to see yourself saying, I am going to be successful in life. This is where I'm going. If you don't have that vision, you can't get there. If you, can, if, you don't, if you cannot see yourself in that light, you will not be able to get there. So a successful vision, a successful future requires your vision. Number two, it requires faith. It's not enough for you to see it. You must believe that you can do it. You must believe that you have the ability to do it. You must believe that you have the capacity to do it. You must be able to touch that future in your mind through faith. If you are not able to do it, then you can make it. Then number three is that it requires commitments. Anybody can say, I want to be rich. But only those who are willing to work for it will only make it. Any student can say, I want to score an A in class. But only those who are willing to sit down and study will make it. Anybody can say, I want to be this, I want to be that. But only those who are committed, who are focused, who are determined, who are disciplined, those are the people who will make it. So your future requires, number one... Your future requires your vision. You'll be able to see. It requires you to have enough faith to believe it. But it, requ it also requires you to have the commitment. And these are the things that we talked about since the beginning of this month. 
since the beginning of the month of June, this is what these are the things that we are focused on. If we are moving in the direction of our future, these are the things that we need. These are the basic ingredients. But actualizing your dreams, actualizing the plan and purpose of God for your life is not only a function of your vision, it's not only a function of your faith, it's not only a function of your commitment, it's also a function of your obedience. Because if you don't obey the instructions that God has given to you, you are not going anywhere. If you don't obey the instruction that God has given you as to what you are supposed to do, you will not, you will see the dream, but you may not be able to accomplish it. But that will not be our portion in Jesus' name. The keys to actualizing our dream, our desired future, is acting on the instructions that God gives you. The instruction that He gives you. Assuming you go into an examination hall. The professor who is bring, who is giving you the who is giving you the test tells you bring out your piece of paper, bring out your pencil, and you only have thirty minutes for this exam. And then you start writing, and you start writing, and it tells you when you are writing, make sure you don't grow a rubber neck, so that you keep your neck only to your own book. Don't make sure you don't giraffe into another person's book. Make sure your eyes are only focused on your own. It gives you instruction number one: focus on your own book. Instruction number two: do not copy from your neighbor. Instruction number three: when I say time up, I mean time up. I mean, stop. Now, assuming you now start taking this test, and you find out that your own paper is very blank, there is nothing on that paper, and you look at your neighbor, the paper, the guy is busy writing and writing and writing, and you feel that it is free country, so you are free to take a look at what is in there, but not just take a look at it, but to lift whatever is on that person's paper and put it on your own paper. And then by the time you start doing that, what do you think will happen to you? The professor will tell you, number one, you have violated the rules of engagement. You have violated the rules of passing this exam. Because you have failed to obey the simple instruction, what happened? You are going to be kicked out of that exam. In order for you now to succeed in that test, you have to abide by the guideline that is set for that particular examination. If he tells you um, you are supposed to write for 30 minutes, and after 30 minutes he says pencils up, and you still keep writing. 30 minutes you are still writing. 40 minutes you are still writing. Do you think he's going to accept the paper from you? Of course not. He's not going to accept it. Because why? You have violated the instruction. You have refused to obey. Actualizing your dream, the same thing for God. When God gives you instructions, He expects you to follow it. He expects that what He told you to do is what you will do. So, actualizing our de- actualizing our desired future requires obedience. Now, when Israel was about to get out of the promise, get out of Egypt. If you remember, for those of us who have studied the Scripture, you will remember that the Lord gave them a very simple instruction. The Lord told them. On the night that they were about to depart, he said, "Make sure you take a particular lamb. Make sure that that lamb is is is, is, a, is, a, is a is a lamb that without blemish. Kill that particular lamb. Take the blood and mark the doorpost of your house, and make sure you stay inside that house. Don't go out, okay? Because he is going to do what? He's going to send." Well, send the angel of destruction to come over, you know, to come upon the land of Egypt at that particular at that particular point in time, and only those who stay in that in that particular house, those are the people who will be saved. The question now is this: If the children of Israel they sat there and say, "This Moses is getting, I think he's getting old. Something must be wrong with him. He has spent too much time in the sun in Egypt, so maybe something is messing with his head." What business? 
does deliverance have to do with painting the side of your door with the blood? Why do, what does that have to do with their deliverance? Why do we have, you know, what is that, is that what is going to take us to the promised land? If they disobeyed that particular instruction, none of them would have gone to the promised land. None of them would have got out. Because the instruction of God is that, put that particular thing there and stay inside. If they ventured outside, what happened? The covering of the Almighty God will not be over their life anymore. If they ventured outside of that particular covering, God is no longer obligated to keep them anymore. The point we are making is that for us to be able to move in the direction that God wants us to go, you must, number one, understand the instruction of God and you must be ready to obey it. Because if you don't obey it, what will happen is that God is not obligated to do what? God is not obligated to or you know to to, 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 to to cover you know to give you that particular promise that he has promised in the book of Exodus chapter 12 Exodus chapter 12 reading from verse number 25 the Bible tells us then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said unto them draw out and take you and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the and kill the Passover and you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin and none of you shall go out of the door of this house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through the, and smite the Egyptian and when he seared the blood upon the lintel and on the two sides and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto, you, unto your house and to smite you. If the children of Israel did not believe Moses, if the children of Israel did not follow that instruction, they would have been destroyed with the Egyptians. If for some reason they did not see the meaning or the importance of the sprinkling of the blood, they will never have left Israel. They, they will never have left Egypt. So the thing that I'm saying is this. It is some, you know, the same thing applies to us. We can dream all we want. You can believe all you want. You can commit yourself all you want. If you refuse to obey, you are not going anywhere. Obedience is central to the fulfillment of God's promises in our life. The question then is, what is obedience? What is obedience? Simply put, obedience is following the instructions that have been given. It is what is referred to as compliance to a particular plan. It is conformity to a particular pattern. It is observance of a particular rule. Adherence to a particular standard. Or submission to another's will. That is basically what obedience is. Obedience is you following a laid down instruction. It's you following what has been told unto you. Obedience means doing what God has, what God says in, you know, you know, what God says to you and doing it in time and doing it in the manner that he has, that he has instructed you to do it. That is what obedience is all about. Doing what God says when and how he says to do it. The question is how do you obey? How do you obey? We talk about obedience. You know, obedience, we, 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 we obey by taking action. Okay? If somebody comes in right now and says, you know, as the, the beautiful thing about this, this society talk, the beautiful thing about a pastor is that you can do a lot of interesting things. If I walk in here and I say, let us rise up, you just stand up. I mean, and I say, let us sit down. And you sit down. You don't even ask me why. I love that too. You know, that's the beauty of it. But that's it. <laughs> That is that is a story for another day. But the thing is that obedience is you following instruction. You know. So when I say when, when we obey, we are actually taking a particular action. Okay. Obedience and action are inseparable. 
Because you are given a particular instruction and that instruction asks you to do something. If you are going to obey that instruction, it means that you will be doing a particular kind of action. So if I say, let us rise up on our feet today, you, by you rising up, you are taking the action of standing up. That means you have obeyed. And if we decide to sit down, that means you have disobeyed. The point is that obedience and action, they are inseparable. They go hand in hand. And that is why the Bible tells us in the book of James that they, you know, that obedience, that, that faith without action is what? Is dead. Obedience is always accompanied by, you know, by obedience is always accompanied by action. They are inseparable. Okay? Now in Genesis 22, the Lord gives us an insight into the nature of obedience. Okay? Genesis 22, the Lord gives us an insight. If you remember that Abraham was instructed by God to do what? To sacrifice his son Isaac. For those of us who remember the story. The Bible told us that the Lord gave him a clear instruction. Say, take this thy son and go and sacrifice it unto you, unto me in a place that I'm going to show you. The Bible told us why Abraham went and did it. But the Bible did not tell us why Abraham did it. What motivated Abraham to do it. But if you go to the book of Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4 reading from verse number 21. The Bible tells us there. It said, being fully persuaded. That what he had promised, he was also able to perform. In other words, Abraham knew that God was the one that gave him that boy. God was the one that gave him Isaac. And God was asking him to return Isaac back unto him. And God and Abraham realized that if he gave it to me and is asking him back, he can even give me more. So Abraham trusted God. That's why the Bible says that he being fully persuaded that he that has promised was able to perform it. Abraham realized that God was able to do all this. That was why he obeyed. So what we are saying in essence is this. Obedience. If you are going to obey somebody, it starts right from inside your heart. Obedience starts in the heart. If you are not willing to obey somebody in your heart, that person can back and make all the noise in the world. You are not going to do it because you have made up your mind you are not going to do it. Okay? Obedience is a function of the heart. It starts inside the heart. Number two. Obedience is motivated by trust. If you trust somebody, it's easy for you to follow that instruction that the person gives you. Okay? And that is why if you take up a newborn baby, you take, you look, you take, you take the baby and you say, uh, you are jiggling, you are playing with them, you throw them up. They say, hey, do it again. Uh, you throw it again. They say, do it again. Why? Because they trust you. That you are not going to allow them to fall. That's why they can allow you. You can throw them away. But if they don't trust you, as soon as you draw them together, you want to pull them up. Hey! They will, they will start crying because they do not know you. They do not trust you. Obedience, number one, starts in the heart. Obedience, number two, is, a, is, a, is motivated by trust. Obedience is driven by conviction. When you trust somebody and you are sure that this is what the Lord, you know, this, this person is good for his word. What happens? That particular person is easy to obey. It's just like when you are putting your money into investments. You take your money into the bank. How are you sure that the bank manager will not steal your money? You don't know that. You just take the money and you take all your, you have worked to, uh, so many hours at work. You get paid. You take that money and you give it to the teller. You say, keep it for me. You don't know this person. And you give you you give that person your money. It is because you are convinced that the bank will keep that money safe. That's why you are handling them the money. The same thing when somebody gives you an instruction. When somebody gives you an instruction, it is because you trust that person. It's because there is a conviction at the back of your mind that this person is good for what they say. That's why you obey. 
If you don't trust that person, you will not obey, you will not obey that instruction. It's just like somebody you get you do a work for somebody, and the person writes you a check. You take that check. Why do you take that check? Because you believe that that person is good for that thing. What they signed on that check is good. If that person has given you a check that has bounced two or three times, if that person writes a check for you, will you take that check? Of course not. You say sorry. I prefer cash. <laughs> I prefer cash because your your check doesn't look to be good. The point you are making is that if you are not convinced that somebody is good for something, it's difficult for you to obey that person. Obedience is also assured by faith. You have to believe that what that person is asking you to do is good for you. If you don't believe it, you won't do it. Obedience is also strengthened by faithfulness. What do we mean by faithfulness? Faithfulness means that what that person has done in the past, you know that this guy is good, he has done it in the past, he has been doing it in the past, he has never failed in the past, so when he's asking me to do it now, he is still good for it. That is why you obey people when you look at the reputation of that person. When you trust the reputation of that person. When you look at that person and you say, yes, this individual is, you know, this individual is good for what he's saying. That is why you obey. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.